today we finish up our series on grace. I hope and trust that it's been a blessing to you. I know that a lot of people have written me and I've gotten emails. and I've gotten a nice kind of emails for the past five weeks, right? Pastor, thank you so much. Where can I get a copy of that message? Where can I? I want to hear that again. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that God, not that I'm glad that I'm preaching something good. I'm glad that God is doing a work in your hearts and that he is able to minister to you. Let me kick this out of the way so I don't knock off my earpiece again. I'm glad that God is doing a work in people's hearts and that people are being encouraged by the message from his word and they're being challenged by the messages from his word because as we grow together as a body of Christ Satan's not happy would y'all agree with that? Satan would like us to stay exactly the way we are right now to never grow in your knowledge of God to never deepen in your faith to never go beyond where you are right now Satan wants you to stay right there. Happy on Sunday mornings, coming and worshiping, coming and hanging out with your friends, getting a few donuts and some coffee. That's where he wants you to stay, right where you are. And every time the Word of God is preached, every time you learn a little more about who God is, about His character, about what He wants to do in and through you, Satan gets upset. And he begins devising new schemes to hold you in bondage, to discourage you, and to keep you right where you are. Fight that effort. Fight those efforts from Satan to move beyond where you are in your faith. doesn't matter what age you are. doesn't matter how old, how long you've been a believer. doesn't matter any of those things. Satan wants to keep you bound in chains. And we think, well, pastor, I come to church every Sunday. How can I be bound in chains? Trust me. It's possible. It is possible to be bound in the, same, the chains and the schemes of Satan, even if you're here every single Sunday morning. You can be the loudest person in church with your hands raised the highest and still be bound by Satan's chains. And see, the, great, the past five weeks that we've been talking God's been doing a work in people's hearts to realize that those chains that Satan as God is bound in, the grace of God is more powerful to break those chains and to keep us from that bondage. In the first week, we talked about how Satan wants to keep you bound by your past. We've all got a past. We've all got mistakes. We've all got areas in our lives that we have been frustrated with, areas in our lives that God, Satan has got us remembering. And God steps into your life to break those chains of your past. He steps into your life to break the chains of your hurts, those people that have hurt you, those circumstances that have hurt you. And he says, my forgiveness is more powerful than your hurts. Forgive that person, forgive that person, forgive that person, forgive that person as much as I have forgiven you 70 times 7 beyond. Forgive others as well. And break those chains of your hurts. Break those chains of people who are keeping you in bondage. And then the past few weeks we talked about how Satan's, how, how God's grace is more powerful than our circumstances, our disappointments, our weaknesses, and our despair. How those things will keep us bound up in a ball. You ever seen a ball of twine? It's just bound up and you wind it up, or, or a ball of duct tape. 
Anybody like to play with balls of duct tape? They're awesome. And you wrap it around, wrap it around, you throw it to your friends, you hit it with a bat or something with some kind, some kind of club. But imagine that ball of twine or that ball of duct tape is you. And that's, as God's grace comes in, it begins to unwind. And it's hard. It's hard to unwind that duct tape. It's hard to unwind. But God's grace is greater than the stickiness of that tape. God's grace is there to unbind you from your disappointments, to unbind you from your weaknesses, to unbind you from that despair. Man, we talked about Jeremiah. It's lamentations. Did anybody go back and write out your own lamentation? They may go back and just say, God, I'm frustrated. I did. God, I'm frustrated with this area of my life. I'm frustrated with the way I'm behaving. I'm frustrated with this attitude. Why did you make me this way? And you just cry out to God. But I don't know how to be a better father. I don't know how to be a better husband. I don't know how to be a better mother or a wife. I don't know how to be a better servant. I don't know how to be whatever. And you cry out to God. Say, God, free me from this. And that's the first step. See, all of these things together, all these areas where God's grace comes in, it's not just a matter of receiving and being infused by His grace, which is what He's doing. He's infusing us. Anybody like infused tea where you take the tea bag and you you let just, after a while, that tea, that fruit, that whatever, just gets infused in all that liquid and it's awesome. That ambrosia. Imagine that's what God is doing in your life with His grace. There's a pump over your head. And God's going, infusing your life with His grace. Not so that you can just walk around going, I'm full of grace, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus. That happens. But that's not why. See, God's purpose in infusing you with His grace, God's purpose in giving you His grace and letting it become such a part of you is so that you can, His grace can be used through you to impact this world. His purpose is to, His grace to become a part of you to, through you to impact your community, to impact your fellow body, members in the body of Christ, to impact those at Starbucks, impact those that you come in contact with every single day. I know I talk about Starbucks a lot. I talk about my Starbucks ministry. And it's an awesome ministry. I love going there and studying. I got my headphones in this week. I'm, I'm there and I'm studying away. And kids comes in and sits down. A kid that I've become acquainted with, college student. And all of a sudden he's like, can you talk? And I'm like, not really. I'm studying. In my mind I'm saying this, right? And he's like, really? I, 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 do you have time to talk? I'm like, sure. Let's talk. And I got my notes up there on my computer screen. And he goes, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you writing? What are you studying? Well, let me share with you. And we're talking about Mark, John Mark today. We're talking about God's grace and how God wants to use us in this community, in this world, and put aside all these other hurts and disappointments and all these other things. I kind of went through five weeks of messages in about 30 minutes. It was like... And at the end, this kid who's been an atheist, agnostic, and been sharing with him, and, and, and others in, in our community have been able to share with him as well. He's there going, so, so, and we actually went all the way back and began sharing the gospel from 
Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. Why did they sin? Why is sin in the world? Why is mankind like this? Why is the world like this? Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff that's in the gospel. I said, here's the target. Here's, here's God's perfect example. You need to hit the target. Nobody can hit the target. Wow. It was, it was all that from John Mark. God's going, in my life. Press down his grace so that I can squeeze it out into the lives of others. Are we letting God work through us? Are we allowing his Holy Spirit to eke out of our lives into the lives of others, his love, his light, to shine out of our lives into the lives of others. Words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of the gospel, at Starbucks even. Wherever you are, look for those opportunities. Take your headphones out and look for those opportunities. Not as, really, as I'm trying to study for Sunday, but as opportunities that God's placed before you and me to be his hands and feet, to be the means of his grace entering and being pressed into somebody else's life as well. See, this morning we're going to look at the story of John Mark. In the book of Mark, there's a story of, for him, his life is, is kind of a bunch of failures. Now John Mark in the Bible, we, we know him, he was, you may not know, may or may not know, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. He was a companion of Paul and Barnabas. And those are our first two real introductions to him. And he failed in both accounts. In fact, in Mark chapter 13, Mark chapter 14 rather, it says, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says, Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen and cloth was following him. Okay? And they caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. I know I said the word. Naked. They grabbed his cloth, they grabbed his tunic, and as they were arresting Jesus, this young man, writing about himself here in the book of Mark, they grabbed his stuff, and he ran away. Now, when I was a youth pastor, we, we let, took a, a youth retreat to the mountains of uh, North Carolina one time, and we, had, we always do a, a counselor hunt. I love counselor hunts because that's when the kids get to hunt us. And at that time, I had a, a ninja outfit. I was, I was into kung fu, I was into martial arts, and I had this ninja outfit. I had the hood, I had the gloves, I had the shoes, I had the, the, the coat. I'm trying to think what it's, not the tunic. The top part, the pants, I have the whole, the whole deal. You couldn't see me. And we do it at night. And so I'm up, huddled around a tree, because I'm cool. Huddled around a tree like that. They can't, I'm huddled around the rock. I'm sneaking up around behind the kids. They can't find me. But all of a sudden, some kid sees me. How they saw me in the dark, I was pitch black. It was pitch black out. There was no moon. We planned the retreat on that purpose, for that purpose. They grabbed me by my shirt. But ninja outfits... There's no buttons on the, on the front. There's no ties. 
It just kind of tucks in here, then tucks in here to the pants. So as they grab my shirt, we're walking back because they've got me captured, right? They've got me by the back of my shirt. I just slowly untuck it. I do like this, and I'm gone. And they're left holding my coat. Now, I had a white T-shirt underneath. That was not smart. Here's the white ghost. Shoom! He's running across the thing. It's like he caught me again real quick. But as I came out of that coat, hands just went behind me, and I was gone. I imagine that's John Mark in the Garden of Gethsemane. We got him. No, you don't. Shoom! He's gone, but he's naked, running away. I'm sure he had on a little loincloth or something. But essentially, he's running around in his underwear, fleeing from the Roman guards and the Jewish guards. Like all the other disciples, he fled the scene. Move forward a, little, a few more years. Quite a few more years, actually. Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. They've gone to Cyprus. They've ministered to the people there. And now they're on a boat and they go all the way to Pamphylia across uh, up by the straits of, in, in close to Greece and Turkey. And they land in this area Pamphylia, and Acts 13, 13 says, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, but John left them and went back to Jerusalem. And if you know anything later on, when Paul and Barnabas get ready to go out again, Barnabas wants to go and gather Mark up and take him with him again, and Paul says, no, I don't want him going with us. He already abandoned us once, he already deserted us once, I don't want him going with us. John Mark, the deserter. Thomas, the doubter. Peter, the one with the big mouth. Others have other titles said about them. We know them, but maybe you're known by a title as well. Maybe you've come into this life and you're, you're sitting here this morning and you've got the title of divorcee. You've got the title of my kid left. My kid's no longer following the faith. And you've got the title of uh, a failure as a grandparent or a parent in your mind. You've got the title of moral failure. The title of church hopper. Whatever title you are carrying this morning, Whatever title you think is above your head that labels you, God's grace is greater to wipe out that title. John Mark, deserter. Deserter of Jesus, deserter of Paul. I mean, this is Paul. Deserter of his team. Who goes on a mission trip and leaves early? Mark did. Who goes to Gethsemane and writes about your own experiences? Mark did. He could have been go back to Antioch. I can imagine. I mean, think of this. John Mark goes back to Antioch before Paul and Barnabas and he walks into church that first Sunday and they go, where's the rest of the team? Um, well, they're, see, they're still out. Why aren't you with them? Um, you see, well, uh, <coughs> I got <coughs> sick. 
uh, seasick going across uh, from Cyprus to <coughs> Perga. <coughs> well, what, 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 what kind of victories did you have? Well, I can tell you about this, but um, imagine the shame of his failure, of his title of deserter, twice now. And yet God's grace in his life, we're going to see in a second, how God rescued him through that and brought him through that so that he could be a witness and be, so God could work through him in ministry. He was not done. He had to learn some lessons. And we all know that we, if you've lived any length of time at all, you learn from your failures, don't we? I've learned from many, many failures of my part. Many, many failures. We learn from our failures and we move on. And we continue to let God work through us and in us. In fact, in, in Mark's case, the temptation was there and the temptation is there to always be labeled by that title. Let's look what happens to Mark. His later successes. Because God's grace can overcome those failures and work through us so we can become even more useful in his kingdom. See, remember, that's the purpose. That's the point of this. How can we become more useful to the kingdom of God? Regardless of our title, this that hangs over our heads, or maybe hangs on a wall, maybe you have like an invisible trophy case that you say, here's all my moral failure, here's what I've done in the past, here's these things that... And Satan constantly is bringing them up to you. And God's saying, shut the case. Let me work through you to become more useful in my kingdom. Those things do not define you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. Peter's writing. He says, She who is in Babylon talking about a, a church leader, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Peter is in, I mean, Mark is in Babylon here with this church leader involved in the church. And he says, this lady is sending you greetings, as does Mark. As does Mark, my son. He's no longer just on the side. He's come out of that. He's been uh, trained up. In fact, if you know anything about the book of Mark, this is actually Peter's recollection of the events of the gospel. As transcribed, as written down by Mark. Who's Mark hanging out with? Peter. He's hanging out with the apostle Peter. He's hanging out with him and learning from him and getting taught by him and getting to experience the life of Peter. And he's getting trained up and discipled. And he's no longer just relegated to a pew in the church in Antioch. Peter's gone by at some point, picked him up and taken him on the road with him to become a part of his ministry, to write down, to have the privilege of, of being writing down the life of Jesus. Sixteen chapters in the Bible are written by this deserter. This one that Paul said, I don't want him to go with me. He's not coming with us. He's useless. 16 chapters. And then, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We just talked about after having abandoned Paul in Acts 13, 
Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11. He says, Make every effort to come to me soon, because Demas has deserted me. It seems to be a pattern with Paul, right? Demas has deserted me, since he loved the present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Oh, and by the way, bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. Did you hear that? Oh, and by the way, that deserter, bring him with you when you come. Why? He is useful in the ministry. This deserter went back home ashamed, frustrated, angry at himself possibly. We, we don't know what his emotions were. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm just, how I would feel, how I have felt at previous behaviors of mine. And yet, he's trained up, he gets his life right, he, get, he lets the grace of God work through him, and now not only does he follow Peter around, but now Paul says, that young man, when you come to visit, go by and grab him by his tunic and you drag him along with you because he is useful for me in the ministry. Having, being able to be redeemed because of our failures, being able to look at our lives and say, God can still use me despite my title, despite what hangs over my head, despite those awful trophies that Satan wants to remind me of all the time, all those lies of Satan. He's trying to tell me that I'm useless, that I, I'm worthless, that I have no purpose in the kingdom any longer. Paul says, when you come, bring him with you, despite the title. Because he's useful for me in the ministry. Paul had to also learn forgiveness. And as you read through this story, as you, as you th- contemplate the story, think about the fact that Paul experienced the forgiveness of God after he had been persecuting the church. And God says, he is going to suffer on account of what he has done. He will have to suffer for my sake. That now Paul is extending this forgiveness also to this young man who deserted him. Paul, raised as a Pharisee, deserted his, the true faith to follow this Pharisaical faith. God redeems him offers forgiveness, and Paul in turn, that forgiveness is offered to others. The grace of God pressed down and fused into Paul's life passes on through to Mark so that he can be discipled to become mature in his faith as well. So those experiences that we go through, they're hard. They're tough. I don't think any of us would, any of us would want to say, yeah, I wish I could go through that again. I wish I could suffer that way. I wish I could, whatever. Whatever it is that's going through your mind right now. I can see your mind. None of us wish we could go th- have to go through those things again. But God uses those in our lives as His grace is infused through us to impact others. To impact others. To impact others our community, to impact the person sitting next to you here in church today, to impact the person this weekend at the fall festival who's going to come, to impact somebody this Christmas season, to impact 
somebody this winter, to impact somebody in your, the next cubicle at your job. We are called to impact, to be useful, to let the grace of God infuse us in such a way. Mark became useful back to the kingdom again. Barnabas, as we know, Barnabas took Paul back, Mark back out again with him on, the, on another missionary journey. They went back to Cyprus and they became used on that, on that island to minister to the people there. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, saw something, a spark in Mark, when Paul didn't. And that's okay. We, we follow the story of Paul in the Bible. But church history tells us that Barnabas and Mark also went back to Cyprus and had a great work there as well. So Barnabas in, in, invested in his life. Peter took Mark under his wing and invested in his life. And Mark received God's grace and learned a lesson of he who has been forgiven much loves much. Paul learned a lesson. He who has forgiven much loves much. Barnabas learned that lesson. He who has been forgiven much loves much. How much have we been forgiven by God for our failures, for our desertions, for our walking away, for our times of apathy, for our times of just, God, I don't really want to go and see those people today. I'm on a business trip. Do I really need to go to church? I'm, I'm away from my family. I'm away from everybody. Nobody knows me here. I can just disappear. Do I really need to go? Nobody's going to know. What stays in Vegas? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Nobody's going to know. Shh. But God sees. And sometimes those failures on our part will follow us and follow us and follow us. And Satan wants to remind you of those things. And it takes somebody coming alongside and experiencing the love and forgiveness of God. So when you experience that love and forgiveness, you can then in turn invest that in other people. The church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Why was God so upset with the church of Laodicea? So much he said, I want to spew you out of my mouth. They have become so lukewarm, they become so worthless, so useless to the kingdom of God and his purposes that God said, you make me want to puke. You make me want to throw up because they have become so worthless and useless to the kingdom. And that God says, you don't have to stay there. Remember, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not talking to unbelievers. In Revelation, when Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he's talking to us. He's talking to the church. He's talking to his people. He's talking to those that have these titles over their head. He's talking to those that don't want to acknowledge God's grace in their lives. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who comes to the door and opens and lets me in, I will go in and I will sup with him. I'll have dinner with him. We'll have communion again. We'll have fellowship again. We're not bound by our titles. Mark was not bound by his titles. Paul was not bound by his titles. 
we are not bound by our titles. No purpose of getting free of these things. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ so that we might be mature in our faith. And then he goes on, Paul says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, verse 15 says, let us grow in every way into him who is the head of Christ. From him the whole body fitted together and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. In love, by the proper, proper working of each individual part. Why do we go through these things? Why is God's grace in us? Why is God infusing His grace in us so that we might grow in our faith and be useful for the kingdom so God's grace can work through us to minister, reach those around us?